Pastor Keith's on vacation, and so I have the privilege of being here and sharing with you, opening up uh, God's Word, and we're going to continue our series in Proverbs. And this morning we're just going to look at one verse in Proverbs. Let's turn to the Word of the Lord and begin with prayer. Dear Lord, be with us this morning as we open up Your Word. Let us understand Your truths, convict us, and encourage us here this morning. My prayer is with the psalmist, let the words of my mouth... And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So yesterday I was getting my hair cut, you know, because if I'm not going to be clean shaven. I can at least have a nice haircut, right? So I went yesterday and I got a haircut and I'm, and the girl's cutting my hair and she looks around college age, early 20s, and we're just chit-chatting and talking and uh, it comes up that I have kids. And she said, oh, how many kids do you have? I'm like, three. I have three kids. Three, about to be two, and six months. And she kind of stops cutting my hair, and she looks in the mirror, you know, make eye contact in the mirror. She's like, wow, you must be tired. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, tired is a pretty good word to define our whole household right now. Tired. And, and you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world, but having three kids so close together really does mean I'm a rookie parent. Like, I'm still in Parenting 101, all right? I I just gave parents advice, like, hear that, but I'm still learning too, all right? Um, and, And one of the lessons from Parenting 101 that I'm starting to understand more and more is, especially around toddlers, be careful what you say, all right? So this was a reality in my life not too long ago. Uh, I think it was in the living room. And for whatever reason, I was holding Ainsley. Maybe I had just got home from work, and she's my three-year-old. She's my oldest, and I'm holding her. And we're talking, and I don't know if Stephanie, my wife, came in or not, but I think I remember. I don't even remember. I just remember what happened next. I think I remembered something that I didn't do. I didn't send an email. I didn't make a phone call. So I'm holding Ainsley, and I go, dang it. Which, hey, if I can say it in church, no big deal, right? It's not that bad of a word, dang it. But I'm holding my three-year-old. And you know what? She has an expansive vocabulary, and she is super interested in words that she doesn't know. And so you know what she asked instantly? Daddy, what's that word mean? (laughs) Don't worry about it, Ainsley. I shouldn't have said it. It doesn't matter. Do you know what Ainsley proceeds to do? Dang it. (laughs) Dang it. And you know what, what happens if Ainsley's doing it? My two-year-old fo- literally just follows her around the house, Landon. He, and she, he says whatever she says. And so if Ainsley's saying, dang it, you know what Landon's doing? He's following her around saying, dang it. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, I said it one time. I can't get them to learn certain things. But the one time, okay, it's not the one time, but I said dang it. And now I got Ainsley saying dang it for the whole afternoon. I got Landon saying dang it. I'm like, what in the world have I done? Parenting 101, one brief exclamation of frustration, and I get an afternoon of dangits from my three-year-old and two-year-old, right? And it happens, like, welcome to life, welcome to parenting, I'm learning, be patient with me, I'm hoping my kids are being patient with me, and we can laugh and and we can chuckle, and, and hopefully a lot of you get it, you've been there. Um, but, you know, then I, then I started thinking, and I, and I started thinking about the power of my words. And, and then it starts to get a little more serious when I'm not talking about, dang it, I'm starting to talk about uh, how I treat my wife. And how, 
I've cleared my talk with my wife this morning, so I'm not talking out of turn here. But if you don't know, my wife's primary love language is words of affirmation. It is. It's words of affirmation. And that's great. So that means all I have to do is say nice things to her and notice her and say, oh, I love you, and oh, you're so beautiful, and oh, that's okay, honey, and how can I help? All I have to do is just say a few words. Here's the problem. My love language is not words of affirmation. My second love language is not words of affirmation. I'm pretty sure that words of affirmation is not on my language radar at all. It's a foreign language to me. And so this cuts two ways. Unfortunately, it does. It cuts two ways. Number one, it cuts my wife because I have a tendency to neglect her needs. I have all the power in the world to lift her up and to firm her and to, yes, make her love me more. All I have to do is just speak some truth and love into her life. But I have a tendency not to do that. And so that hurts her and that hurts our relationship if I'm not thinking and aware of my wife and how I use the power of my words. And, and so it cuts just by virtue of that's not my bet and I am, that's not me. But then it cuts another way. Doubly worse, not only is words of affirmation not in my vocabulary, I tend to be a critical person. I tend to have a sharp tongue. I tend to um, use words to hurt people. It's hard to believe, I know, but... Don't ask my wife too many questions, but it is true. It, it's true that like that's a struggle for me. And so that means when I get upset or I get tired or I get frustrated, it's not just saying dang it in the living room with my three-year-old, because that happens sometimes, but now it starts to hurt my wife and it starts to hurt our relationship. Now, thankfully, this does not characterize our relationship. And, and thankfully, my wife extends me more grace than I deserve. And she knows that although this is not at the top of my priority list, even though it should be, like she knows who I am. She's married me, so she's stuck with me. But So she knows that about me. But it's something that I struggle with and I have to be aware of. And just a caveat, I would tell her and I would tell any other woman or husband in here, if you're having constant conflict with your, with your spouse, like she ought to come in and talk to the elders. Help. Get help. Talk to someone. You're not meant to be in conflict with your marriage time in and time out. Okay, that's not our relationship. But my struggle is with my words, either my lack of giving words or my cutting words, and it hurts her doubly because that's her primary love language. So enough about me. Sorry about you. If there's any consolation in my struggle, I think it's that I know that I'm not alone. Right, that some, and some more than others, battle with the words that come out of your mouth. Have you ever said anything that you wish you could take back? My guess is you have. Like, you said something, you want to reach out and grab that word before it hits that person's ears. Can't do that, but it's happened. So, I, I, my guess is that's happened to you. You've been in that position before. But I would also say there's, there's another thing that happens 
where that I know is true of you by virtue of you breathing in this room, that you have been on the receiving end of powerful words. That you have been on the receiving end of either words that have tore you down or built you up and they have influenced you. And so words and, and the power of words are, 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 are built into who we are. And this is why I'm passionate about what we're talking about this morning because I've seen both the positive and the devastating effects of the words firsthand. Right? And this is important because we're not just talking about speech. We're not just talking about words. We're not just talking about language. We're talking about marriages. We're talking about families. We're talking about friendships and coworkers. And we're talking about churches. Because we're talking about people and we're talking about relationships. And all of these things hang in the balance depending on how we choose to use our words. We will either live or die by our words. So we must take this topic seriously. So I want you to turn to your Bible. I want you to look at one verse. And we shouldn't be surprised that God speaks truth into this situation. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. That's the verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. There are two main truths embedded in this verse. The first one is simple. The tongue carries great power. Now, I chose this word carries because the Hebrew word, the, the, the verse actually says, um, death and life are in the hand of the tongue. It's this idea of the tongue holds this power and it gives and passes it out left and right. And it can either pass out death or life. And, and the tongue carries great power. There's no denying the power of the tongue. So now I want you to flip over. I don't have it on the screen, so I encourage you to open up in your Bible to the book of James. We're going to look briefly at at an illustration that James gives. He's the half-brother of Jesus in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, James starts to give an illustration about how powerful the tongue is. And he gives us three illustrations that we'll look at briefly. The first one is found in verse 3. So we're in James chapter 3, verse 3. Verse 3 says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. He's like, hey, you guys know what horses are, their primary mode of transportation at the time. He says, these are big old things. You can't just tell a horse what to do. But guess what? We've tamed a horse. You can control a horse. You know how you control a horse? This little piece of metal that you put inside the horse's mouth. And what's amazing is this little thing called a bit controls this whole big old horse. You know, I've seen this firsthand where a couple of years ago we, we lived in Indiana and my uh, landlord down the street had uh, horses. And my um, in-laws came in and Stephanie's younger sister was there and she loves horses, so she got to ride a horse. Literally, she's like eight or nine years old and probably, I don't know, not even 50 pounds. And my landlord, Ron, puts her on top of this great big horse. You know what's in the horse's mouth? A bit. And there's a bridle and there's reins. And so they're walking around the backyard and, and he gives the reins to Melissa. And look at Melissa. She's turning the horse. She's guiding the horse. This little 50-pound girl 
is directing this big, massive beast of a horse all through this little thing called a bit. And James is saying, this is the power that the tongue wields. It may look little, but it directs everything. So then he gives another illustration. He says, okay, you got the horses. Well, look at the ships that carry all people and all kinds of things. And there's these big, huge ships. He says in verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So he's like, hey, the rudder seems so small. It seems so insignificant. But do you know what the rudder does? It directs that entire big, huge ship. It tells the ship where to go. And this little man can control this big ship by this little thing called the rudder. And James is building this case to say, look at the power of these little things. And then he brings it together in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. He says, be careful because that small little thing that's in your mouth carries destructive power like a forest fire. And if you've been paying attention to anything at all, we have a visual of forest fires right now. Literally, like the whole West Coast is on fire. Do you know how that thing started? It didn't start big. It started little. And it started tiny. But you know what happened? It didn't take long before that little thing becomes a big thing and the wind comes in and, it, and then, man, they can't control it. And James is saying, be careful because this is the destructive power that is held within the tongue. Words have power. That's what James is getting at. As I was reading and researching some things in, in this sermon, I, I came across um, this snippet from a guy named Robert Downs. He wrote a book called um, Books That Changed the World. And he wrote this, and it just struck me. For every word Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, 125 people were killed in World War II. Words have power. And that should all give us pause. And not just to think about their power, but the second truth contained in this verse is that the tongue carries great influence. The second half of Proverbs 18.21 says, And those who love it will eat its fruits. You know, words are powerful, because of the influence they have over us. Words don't happen in a vacuum. There is always an audience. We speak to ourselves. We speak to other people. And then other people hear or hear about those words. And Solomon is telling us in Proverbs 18 that we will reap the consequences of what we speak. And what we speak reveals something about what we Love. So Eugene Peterson, he, he phrases this verse like this. He says, words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. 
They're either poison or fruit. You choose. And so what we're saying is, well, we have to live with the consequences and we're carrying power and consequences with the words that we speak. And they're going to either lead to life or lead to death. So then what does it look like to say, well, what is the power of my words then? Where does that intersect with my life? And where it intersects with our lives is, is how we choose to use our words in our speech. And, and as I thought about how we're going to address this topic, man, there's so much. It, it, it's such a wide topic. And there's such a breadth of verses and information in the Bible. Like, we only have a few minutes. We're not going through everything. There's 117 times that the word tongue is used in the Bible. And if we're not talking about the physical tongue, it drops down to 97. So we could go through every 97 and just say, okay, here's what the Bible says about the tongue. But as I thought about it, you know, I I think that we inherently pretty much know that there's certain ways that we use our speech that are destructive. Like the Bible affirms, or we agree with the Bible, we should say, about all that it says about the destructive nature of the tongue. Right? The Bible repeatedly warns us, don't lie. Don't slander. Gossip. Be careful how you use your words and don't use your words to hurt people. I think we pretty much have a good understanding. Like, if we are critical or sarcastic or we use hate-filled or angry speech, like, that's destructive. That leads to death. We should hopefully all have an understanding like, no, we don't want that. That should not be part of who we are. And you don't even have to be a Christian to agree with that. Like, we kind of understand like, these are bad ways to use our tongue and speech. You know what else can be poison in our mouths? Speaking the truth harshly. Using crass or crude language, making or laughing at that inappropriate joke or Posting stuff online for the world to see. Like, I think we get it. Like, that's all wrong. And we could do a whole Bible study on all the wrong things. But as I thought about it, and, and, and as I think that we all agree, look, there's all kinds of ways that we can use our tongue and our speech to hurt one another. And even sometimes, and maybe a lot of times, there's ways that we hurt people with our speech that we don't even recognize, which should scare us. We could go on and on and on about all those things. And we could bring out verse after verse after verse to address those things. But as I wrestled with all of that this week, I think there's something more important to consider. It's not about what or how we're using our speech to be destructive. It's who is being influenced by our words. Who is being influenced by our words. You see, it doesn't matter how you're being destructive. I might have a sharp, critical tongue and you might be angry and you might cuss all the time and you might do whatever, but it doesn't matter. It's all destructive. And if it's all destructive, it's also influencing people around you in a destructive way. You're passing out poison. And it doesn't matter what the method is. The point is we shouldn't do it Because we're hurting people. 
this is so important because I see, and, and I've seen examples firsthand over this past summer and, and, and other times where, where there's marriages on the brink because husbands and wives don't know how to talk to one another. Where people are yelling or lying or hiding or fighting with their spouses just because they don't know how to come together to have a conversation. It doesn't matter what that looks like. What matters is it's destructive. And this is important because we see children grow up in households where mom or dad are putting shame on them and belittling them and, and, and putting and piling on guilt on them. And we have children growing up and they don't know how to relate with the world and they don't know what it means to be affirmed because their parents are coming down on them unnecessarily harshly. And children, you're not off the hook either. Because children, how you talk to your parents, teenagers, can be just as destructive and just as harmful. We see churches going through splits. We see churches hurting people. We see people leaving this church and going to this church. And we see relationships broken. We see all these things happening because people are gossiping over here and people are being critical over here and no one's having, no one knows how to use their tongue in a life-giving manner. And all that it is is like a forest on fire because their tongues are out of control. And I don't know what circle you're in or, or what tendencies you have to be destructive. I just know that if your tongue is passing out poison, if your tongue is passing out death, that we need to be careful because that's not only bad for you, it's bad for the people around you. And if we're not careful, that path of destruction is going to engulf those around us. And before we know it, it's going to be out of control and we can't fix it. As James would go on in this passage, he says, brothers, this ought not to be so. And I'm here to tell you the good news. I'm here to say that the tongue has such potential for destruction, yes, but it also has the same potential to give life. That yes, the Bible paints us a warning to stay away from gossip and slander and lying and anger. But it also tells us that we are able to use our tongues and our speech for encouragement, for building up. That we can use our tongues to speak truth in love. That we can encourage those around us. That we can use our tongues to spread joy, to spread encouragement, to be peacemakers to go and extend grace with our words to people. And you see, all this matters because again, we're not just talking about words and language, we're talking about people and relationships. Everyone in this room holds influence over the people around them based on the words that they choose to use. So have you considered the power that you hold within that little tiny thing called a tongue. And what if we traded in lies for truth? What if we traded in gossip for encouragement? What if we traded in boasting for humility, hate for love, recklessness for restraint? What if we traded in harshness for graciousness? What if we traded in sarcasm for healing, anger for joy? Parents, 
You're first in line. You hold influence over your children like no one else. Choose to speak life. That doesn't mean you withhold correction. But choose to speak life into your children. Dad, you set the tone. How you treat your wife, how you treat your children's mother, shows them how they ought to use their speech and language. Christians, you are on the hook as a whole. How does the world relate to your language when they not only see you but hear you? What do they think of your speech? And I'm not just talking about using bad words or saying bad jokes. Do they see someone who is an encourager? Do they see someone who is life-giving with their words? Do they see one, someone who brings joy with their words? This is what the world needs to see. And it sounds good. Like, you all have the power to choose life, so just make better decisions. Just choose the right words and the world will be a better place and everyone will want to come to Chapel of the Lake because we are so nice and affirming and joy-filled and encouragers around here. Awesome! Let's go home and do that. But here's the problem. Are you still in James chapter 3, verse 7 and 8? For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. He says, look, every beast of the field, we've got. We're not under threat by anything. We've tamed them all. But verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And this is the thing that I keep coming up against and I learn over and over again no matter how good my intentions are, no matter how much I might try to and want to speak words of life, I still fail. I still come up short. I still make mistakes. I still find that my tongue more and more gets me in trouble as it passes out poison. And and why is that such a bad thing? Well, number one, because it reveals a flaw in me. Because if poison is coming out of my tongue, that means there's something in me. And number two, as we've been saying, it hurts those around me. And so, knowing that I'm preaching on this topic, I was a little convicted over this whole thing. I know I don't use my words always in the best way. And so, I'm like, awesome. Here we go. Teaching lesson. I took Ainsley and Landon, my two oldest that know how to talk. Cal's not there yet. We're working on it. Hey, we're going to the store. And pile them in the car. We go to the store. And we get some flowers. And we get a card. And we pick out a little gift for my wife. We go, and we come back and we sit in the driveway and I open up the card and we write a card. I say, Ainsley, what are you going to tell mommy you're thankful for? Landon, what are you going to tell mommy you're thankful for? Okay, he just says whatever she says, remember. So we write the same thing and sign it Ainsley and Landon. And then I write in the card about how I don't say enough, how much I appreciate and love my wife. That's absolutely true. And so I put the card in like, this is great. So Landon goes in the house. He carries the gift. Ainsley carries the flowers. I carry the card. And we all go in and we're like, Mommy, we love you. We appreciate you. Like, this is for you. And I'm like, yes. 
I got dad points. I got husband points. I got pastor points. Like, good night. This is awesome. Right? And hey, it sounds good. You're, some of your wives are nudging, or your, right? Your wife is nudging your husband saying, hey, where's my flowers? Do that. Good, good win there. But listen, that's only going to last so long. And I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say this anyway. You know what happened yesterday morning? That was Friday night. You know what happened yesterday morning? We were talking about blinds. Stinking, stupid blinds. That's how I feel about blinds. I'm working on my tongue, all right? And, and Stephanie wasn't understanding what I was saying. I was like, I was frustrated. And I could tell in her face that I had hurt her by whatever I had said. I don't even know, but I was like, oh my goodness. I am preaching on this tomorrow. I just did this nice thing for you last night, and it's not even been 12 hours, and here I am, the pastor, failing at this thing called controlling and guarding my tongue. So how in the world am I supposed to fix my tongue? Because James says it. Listen, the tongue cannot be tamed, so hallelujah, the Bible says it. I don't have to work on it. It is what it is. (laughs) No, 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 do not hear that. This is the one thing that I want you to hear and take home today. Don't try to fix your tongue. Focus on fixing your heart. This theme is is replete throughout Scripture. Jesus Himself, the best example we have is in Mark 6.45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And the last place we're going to go is Proverbs chapter 4. If you look at verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So what in the world does it mean to keep my heart with all vigilance? How in the world am I supposed to focus on fixing my heart? And the answer comes from the verses right before that verse. This is what Solomon says in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. If we want to give out life, we must first receive life. God's Word is central to who we are and how we speak. And that's the point in Proverbs 18.21, our whole verse for this morning, is that what we love is revealed by what we say. We either love, we either love life and speak life, or we either love death and therefore speak death. It's either poison or fruit, and we choose, and what we choose reveals our heart. So when I allow my tongue to speak poison, it's revealing an inner flaw in me. So as we leave and wrap up this morning, I want to give you three words to remember, to think on this week. First word is drink. Drink the Word of God. Don't just read it. Drink it. Be thirsty for it. Let it refresh your soul. Drink the Word of God. 
Solomon says, be attentive to my words. We can take that to mean the word of God. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Drink the word of God. Let it dwell in you and refresh you. Second word I want you to consider is surrender. Surrender your heart and your tongue to Christ. Romans 12.1 talks about us giving our bodies, including our tongue, as a living sacrifice to God so that we might be holy and acceptable in His sight. We must be willing to surrender ourselves, our heart first, before we ever think we're going to be able to control our tongue. Drink the Word of God. Surrender to Christ and His will. And lastly, practice. Notice it comes last. Practice. If you want to memorize a couple of verses this week, it ought to be Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. This is what it says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as, such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Practice speaking words that are life-giving, that are helpful, that will build up, and that will not grieve the Holy Spirit. I hope we recognize that no mere human can tame the tongue. But this is why Christ came, so that we might receive His power to transform our hearts so that we might be His witnesses to the world, which is also why you should come to Sunday school next week about sharing your faith. Because how, what more important words are there than the life-giving truths of the gospel. What would our church, what would our families and our marriages look like if we all committed to these three words? To drink the word of God, to surrender our hearts to Christ, to practice speaking words that are only helpful and will build up. And so that's my challenge to you this week. Commit every day, I would say in the morning, Commit every day to read the Word. Commit every day then to pray for guidance. And then commit every day to speak one life-giving truth into someone's life that day. One thing. Start with that. And I think we would be surprised by how our lives changed and how we influence those around us. May we drink in the word of life so that words of life might flow out. Will you pray with me? We're thankful that it's not up to us to fix this thing, to tame this tongue. We know we can't. We're thankful that we don't have to earn some, some badge that we can rely on you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you will uh, help us 
have a love and a thirst for your word. That through the reading of your word, you would so transform our heart that we are willing to surrender all we have, and especially this issue today of our tongue, to you, your purpose, and your will. That you would help us practice speaking words that would build up, that we might give grace to those who hear. Help us take our lives and make them a living sacrifice for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.